Choose the sword, and you will join me. Choose the ball, and you join your mother in death. You don't understand my words, but you must choose. Back in bold. This is Bold Perceptions. Got a reoccurring guest. I haven't uh, spoken to him on air since I was in uh, Cozumel, Mexico. We had a nice little recording about this overseas football life. And I actually met you in person here recently in Vegas. But man, oh my God, I was in a different world, bro. I was I destroyed Sherp's bed. I was sweating everywhere. I couldn't even see straight. I was so messed up. But Kurt, it's good to see you again. You're back in Japan. How is life? Man, it was, it's good. It's good to be here in Japan. But yeah, it was great meeting you in person, shake your hand, see the flesh, see Mr. Bull in, in the real world. But yeah, you were hurting then, man. You just seemed Mr. like... Mr. Bull uh, wasn't bull there. He was uh, dead. I wasn't sure he was going to make it out of this Vegas, man. Good to get a hospital bed. But uh, yeah, it was, it was good to good to, you know make a real person connection there and, and get the Bolt community, uh, you know, keep it going. So yeah, it's good to be back though in Japan and uh, doing spring ball and getting after it. So... Yeah, that's why I really wanted to hit you up today because um, as much as I love Europe and this Poland season is going very good, we're actually second in Poland and I love this city. It's safe, it's clean, it's cheap. And, you know, my favorite girls probably are Slavic women. So there's sure. abundance of them here. But right. I'm thinking, okay, you know, I want to get to Thailand this winter. They're letting uh, the bad unvaccinated people in in the country. So I'm hoping to go experience that Southeast Asian culture, but also maybe in the future, go to this this X-League. I've heard so many good things about where you're at right now. I know you're getting paid very nice, and uh, I want to get like a breakdown on this. I also want to talk about this uh, Japanese culture because you've been in the mix for a while now. And then also me and you kind of think uh, similarly on the whole nomad life, and I know you're trying to dive uh, into that. So, Kurt, what is this X-League? Tell me about this X-League quick. Yeah, man, it, it is great. It is a great league, but uh, maybe I'll uh, burst your bubble a little bit. Like, it's not definitely not NFL money here. We're not we're not getting paid the big bucks, but yeah, it's a good league. But uh, I think the biggest difference you've been in Europe for a while and you've seen a bunch of teams and level of play is, I think, just the intent here. Like these guys are trying to play at a high level. They're watching huddle. They're coming to practice. There, it's just like you know the professional attitude here is they're trying to be good and. Um, I think the biggest difference, though, is there's really no Americans involved, at least on my team. We don't have any Americans on staff, um, only the four players. So you're dealing with some cultural things and just different ways they see the game. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a good quality of play, and the league's you know professional, and uh, it's definitely a good league to be in. Yeah, so basically um, they're big companies that own these teams, right? And the players for the teams are workers at, like, um, Samsung and, and whatnot. Is that the case? Uh, Samsung doesn't have a team, but but you're right. There's, I guess there's two types of teams here. So there's a corporate team and there's club teams. Um, corporate teams are what you're describing. So they'll have employees that, you know, work the nine to five desk jobs and then they play football and they're all, everyone on that team is part of that company where there are teams that are just kind of like Europe where it's a club sponsor and then Guys will work whatever jobs, and they all come together on the weekend, but they're not under the same company. So there is both, 
But I think that corporate team structure is really great because as you've seen in Europe, I'm sure you're kind of low budget or always trying to get some extra money or trying to get another sponsor to get a bus ticket. So I think the corporate structure makes it easier for maybe organizing practices and equipment and all that. So it, I think it helps with the professional appearance of the league. Yeah, Europe is always scrapping, it seems like, uh, for, for money over here. And everyone tells me that the X League is right behind the CFL in uh, competition. I know the CFL is legit. There is some dots in there. Is the X League as good as people say it is? I mean, I, I never played in the CFL, so I can't speak on that talent. But there are guys like the imports um, who have a lot of NFL, like uh, they'll have the training camp or practice squad, and then they were cut and they come to the X League. So the imports, I think, are definitely on that level. But the Japanese versus like a domestic Canadian player, I'm not sure the quality – you know how how they compare but i would say it's somewhat close because there are japanese players now going over to canada and playing in the cfl so um, i'm gonna say it's comparable but i'm not sure if it's quite as good um what about uh, you were in berlin right what about that uh, level of competition compared to where you're at now i think uh like size and speed it's it's probably close the gfl one there were some good players in there as well but that's where I'd say the kind of like the attitude is a little different. Like we were trying to win games in the GFL. It's very competitive, but we had problems with like practice turnout. You know, guys couldn't come for whatever reason or they were flying in from another country on the weekends just for game day. Um, so it was hard with that, just like organizing a real team. You know, you're just kind of showing up on Sunday, Saturday and just playing. We're here it's a little more organized in that sense. So I think that's what separates them and why they're, I think when back in the day when the GFL and Japan was playing, Japan was winning those games. I'm not I'm not certain on that, but I'm pretty sure the Japanese teams were were beating the Europeans back then. So I'm not sure with the new ELF and stuff. I know that league's growing and getting more competitive, but yeah, from my experience playing in the GFL, I feel like this is a higher level of play. Yeah, so I mean, obviously I haven't been to Asia yet, but my stereotype of of Asians are kind of small, scrawny, not that athletic. And you're telling me it's it's different over there. They got big boys, they got fast guys. Well, yeah, the speed, um, yeah, it's not probably what you're used to. Definitely playing in the states, but yeah, I, I think as a as you're generalizing the Asian culture and Japanese culture, yeah, they're kind of small people. You're walking around the city, yeah, you'll see some five foot people walking around, and that's kind of the norm, but. Athlete-wise, they, they are on the smaller size, but uh, the speed is mm, not bad. And uh, some O-linemen are big, but, yeah, I think compared to the States, yeah, they'd be pretty small. But Europe, I think, is similar in the same way. Like, you got guys out there that aren't – not everyone in the trenches is 300 pounds, right? Not everyone's running 4-4. So since it's somewhat even, like most of the players are Japanese, I think uh, it's very competitive because of that, yeah. Yeah, so like in Europe, basically, the imports are making $1,000 a month. They have all their expenses covered. And you got to remember, cost of living is way different in these parts of the world compared to the USA. So the money does go a distance. Obviously, it's not enough to like save and, and invest. It's more of like a, a paid vacation, they say. But I heard in the X League, I mean, you're making decent bread and you got your expenses covered, correct? Yeah, so... I mean, I think that's where the kind of the club and corporate teams probably have a big difference. And I can't speak on everyone's salaries, but uh, I think some guys are, like you said, are making close, you know, 
close to six figures, maybe, you know, with everything included, like planes and housing. And then I think there's other guys, you know, maybe playing like for a thousand dollars a month also. So I think there is a big range here based on your sponsor. Uh, you know, I've heard rumors through the, through yeah, other teams and stuff, but I can't speak for facts on that. Cause yeah, everything's pretty closed off private, but yeah, my team, they, they take care of you because you know, I, you don't have to pay rent. You don't have to pay for transportation, like flights back to America, visit your family. So kind of what you said, the cost of living is pretty low. You're not making, you know, hundred thousand dollars, but you know, you're not spending a lot of money. So, um, it's a pretty good life and it is, uh, it's not the plane for pizza kind of thing in Europe. That's I think common, like 200 bucks a game and you're just scrapping. So it is a little more comfortable than that. Yeah. Well, obviously it's comfortable enough for you to keep doing it. So you're, you're liking it a lot, right? It's, it's pretty fulfilling out there. Yeah, I do like living in Japan, but I guess the other main reason why I had to leave Europe is when I was there, uh, I don't know how your contract structured in Poland, but it was only for in the season. We're here playing, practicing in the off season and training. Like I'm a full-time employee, so it's a 12-month situation where in Germany, while I was playing, it was good money and, you know, they're able to take care of you. And But once the season ended, the paycheck stopped. You're like, okay, what do I do now? Should I become a part-time employee out here? Should I go back to America? We're here. It's like, no, we want you to, if you want to stay here, we got a 12 month situation for you. You can practice, play, same salary. So I, I think that has made it more sustainable and why I chose to stay here because it's more of like a permanent situation. Yeah, a lot of dudes over here, it seems like they go from season to season. Like you have the Spanish one in the fall, you got a lot of the year ones in the spring, and you got the EFL, GFL, Finland League in the summer. So they kind of hop season to season. That could take a freaking toll. On your body. I know I know me personally, I need to uh, enjoy my European summers and luckily I make money outside of football. But uh, that is an interesting situation. Now, so what do you do um, in the off season? How much practicing is it? And is it a couple hours a week or is it uh, they're intense? So, yeah, right now we are in the off season. We have uh, three spring games this year, but it's just the weekend. So Saturday, Sunday, you practice and then sometimes you'll have a game on the weekend. But it does allow for the person like yourself who maybe has a part-time job online or makes money elsewhere. Like there's a lot of free time to, to grow and develop whatever you want to do there. So my spring, I'm, I'm using it to spend time to try to learn the language. I've been really studying the textbooks and trying to figure out how to read the symbols and speak a little bit and um, trying to, you know, make myself a little, uh, make my living experience here better by understanding the, the, the language. So, you can choose to spend it how you want, but yeah, I'm kind of going to college student life again. So I'm studying during the weekdays and playing football on the weekend. Yeah, we were just chatting about it. I mean, it's a whole different world when you unlock uh, the local experience and you can somewhat understand what they're saying or you're with the locals and they show you around. And you're not just doing the tourism stuff. And uh, it's, it just unlocks a whole different experience. Yeah, absolutely. Because... You know, if you just Google, like, if you're coming to Tokyo or something, your first time, you're just like, oh, you get on Google and say, all right, wh where to eat? Where's the fun places to go? And, you know, it's kind of letting the Internet guide your experience. You really have no, you have no way to know. You can't read anything. You don't know what to order. So you kind of end up falling towards things you're familiar with just because, you know, it's natural. But if you can understand the culture and start learning the language and you start opening up doors, like you said, to things that you didn't even know existed and, uh, yeah, finding a friend or fortunately being a football team, you know, you got 100 instant friends being on a team and that help you like take you to places and show you around. But 
when you're on your own, yeah, having a, a grasp of the language is, I think, a huge deal here in Japan. And um, I think that's why I'm really trying to make that next step up, get past just the hellos and thank yous, you know, trying to be able to, you know, open up some doors for myself. Yeah, I remember my little Italian sweetheart told me, like, the beauty in Bologna, where I lived for two years, is not like uh, just seeing Bologna. You have to, like, live the experience. And, of yeah. course, they say it in some Italian phrase that sounds beautiful. But it's true. <laughs> like, when I was first in, in Bologna, I was like, oh, this is a really cool city. I like it. I like it. Then I started getting to know the people. I was going to Italian uh, lunches with their families. And, like, I started, like, feeling like I was a part of the city and I was living it. And it was magical like when i was gonna leave i was like really sad because i was like damn like i feel like connected to this city and it's so much different when you're on the road and you're seeing so many different places you're usually just on your own and it's not like uh you're you're into the community like you're actually like feeling what it feels like to to be someone that's from here yeah there, there's definitely something to be said about like feeling connected you know when you spend a lot of time like yourself always on the road everywhere you go it's fun to see and travel but you don't really have that sense of community and uh, speaking the language definitely bridges that. And I forgot where, I don't know if it was my coach or somebody who told me, but they said this about language in general. It was like, when you speak to somebody in a foreign language, they're using the brain, but if you can speak to them in their native language, they can just speak from the heart. Kind of like what we're doing now. You know, we're not really thinking really hard about what we're saying. We're just talking about our emotions and our experience. And I'm, I'm definitely not at that level yet, but I would love to try to bridge that gap of like, you get to see another side of a person when you could speak to them in their in their native tongue. Yeah, hundred percent. It goes back. I've said this story too. Is um, a girl I was seeing in Italy was basically like, Nick, I need to. I want to express myself, but I can't do it in English. Like she spoke really good English, right? But English is more like direct to the point. In like Italian, it's like a, a story woven together, and there's so many parts and pieces and. After I heard that, I was like, fuck, like I've had amazing times with just Google Translate and vibing with people. But to get to that next level, to get to like that real human connection when they can like right. totally, completely express themselves is uh, something that is, is tough to not be able to to hand or to, to experience. But I'm hoping and I think this is going to happen because it'll take so much fucking time for me to learn all these languages and to be fluent with them is that in like five to ten years, you know, you put the AirPod in. And you can have a full-on conversation. I speak English. It gets translated perfectly. They're speaking mm. Italian. It's translated to me just fine. Do you think that'll happen? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's possible. I don't know the time frame on that, but you're right. Google Translate is amazing. If you can if you can feed Google Translate like good input, it's so accurate. I would say it's above ninety percent. But the problem you have with Japanese, sometimes with these these translation apps is. There's a lot of things they leave out. Like they won't identify a subject. Like they won't say like, I'm going to the store. They'll just say like store go. And then it'll confuse Google Translate, like who's talking and what. So uh, if you can feed it good English, it'll output something that they can comprehend. But yeah, I would love to have, you know, an AirPod that just like does it for you. And uh, yeah, it would, it would be amazing. I think they could have it. They're probably close. I mean, they got cars driving themselves these days. So, you know, I never doubt technology. It's only a matter of time. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to try to keep studying because uh, I can't keep waiting for the magic AirPods to come. <laughs> okay, hey, let's get into the fun stuff where a lot of the audience likes. You got me the, the information I needed on this X-League. But let's talk about kind of the, the philosophy and all the kind of up-in-the-air things. So 
Right. Obviously, we're different dudes, okay? We're living in foreign countries. We're playing a game still. People think we're crazy. Um, let's kind of get into this mindset of why we're living out of the comfort zone and, and you know, why we're not doing the traditional path that, you know, 90% of people normally take. Yeah, I guess um, I guess the original reason why I started playing football again is just because I was living, you know, a nine to five, a kind of regular job, and it just wasn't fulfilling enough for me. And maybe I was young and still felt like I could play and, you know, just wasn't content. But, uh, yeah, it just wasn't for me. And that's when I started playing arena and ended up going to Europe and now in Japan. But living uh, living that way just feels more independent. I feel like I'm more control of my time and I love playing football. And I didn't feel like I had a purpose that much in the nine to five world. And now I feel like, you know, I'm trying to learn a language. I'm trying to win a championship. I'm trying to get myself financially independent. And I feel like I'm more in control and there's nothing wrong with the nine to five. You know, I think it's a good way to raise some money, actually, if you if you have no way to do it. But it's just a temporary solution. And, that, and that's kind of my attitude with it is, you know, it's a means to an end, but it's not an end goal. And um, so, yeah, football has opened up so many opportunities for me and I'm going to keep playing till I can't. Uh, but yeah, it's been a blessing because it's gotten me into countries like Japan, where I probably would never be able to come just, you know, as a normal college graduate. Yeah, that's super cool. Like on my Italian visa I had, it was like a Siri D or something. And it's under skills that Italians don't have. So it's like big tech entre- big tech people for Google. And, you know, and they're like, what do you do? Who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm just an athlete, you know. But to go to your point. Yeah. To go to your point, though, is like um, this last game we had. Uh, it was a battle between Katowski down in the south and Poland. And we won on like fourth and 11 on a trick play to win the game. And everyone is cheering and everyone's excited. Everyone's drinking in the locker room after. Like you can't replicate these emotions that football brings, the competition, the brotherhood, the the feelings of going to war. And uh, I said this too, when I was um, talking to teams um, in Brazil to make my decision for this year of who I would play with, it's like, look, I'm living the dream life right now in Brazil. I'm on the beach for a night seeing these beautiful women drinking, doing whatever the fuck I want. It's super cheap, but I don't like there's something missing. You know what I mean? Like I have everything anyone wants and I feel like I'm missing something. I need that, that feeling of uh, working towards a goal, competing with the dude, celebrating. Like you can't replicate what you get from competition. And for me, especially the football. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's what I was missing. And, you know, maybe at some point later in my life, I'll be more content and I I can find a, a less physical like goal. But like you said, there's nothing that replicates that, you know, like the glory of winning or like that pain when you lose in football because it physically hurts. Right. You're out there. You're giving it your all. And when you win, it feels great. And when you lose, it feels awful. Like you're physically hurt. You're mentally embarrassed. You're like, I didn't perform well. And, you know, I love that, like, uh, especially as a quarterback, as you know, you get a lot more credit than you deserve and a lot more blame than you deserve. And I love that, that role of like, you know what, I can, I can handle this. And uh, you just can't get that from just like, all right, I'm an entry level so-and-so and and I'm living a cool, relaxing life. And, you know, I I like that edge of football. Like you're talking about the the brotherhood, the physicality of it. And yeah, that's why it's, uh, it's a game that I couldn't walk away from. I had to come back into it while I still could, you know, and, We'll see, we'll see what's next after football's done because you can't play forever. But, yeah, while I can do it, 
Yeah, man, it's I, I definitely uh, glad I went for it. You know, no regrets there. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the Rogans, all these people kind of talk about it is like modern society and, and you know, go to the job. There's nothing like really making your heart race. There's no like war that's in our DNA, the blood, there's survival of the fit. And I think people try to find it within the drugs, within the partying, with uh, the sex, like just, just try to feel alive, right? I think this is why it's so important for people to take up a, a fighting sport or do something that like just makes you feel what your ancestors felt when they had to go fucking conquer the tribe next door or something, because that is the only thing that makes me like really feel alive. When the emotions start flowing and doing all these crazy things, like I can't get it on the beach with the bottle line. I can't get it with as many women as I try to sleep with. I need to feel like I'm going to war. Is that just me? Am I crazy or what? No, you, you, you hit it kind of exactly. And uh, I'm kind of an amateur stoicism learner right now. I'm trying to dive in and get to that philosophy where you're talking about that mindset. But a lot of the Stoics, they'll talk about what you're, what you're saying is like humans are meant for work. And it doesn't literally mean like, you know, documents or typing work, but like you need to have a purpose because if you go on a trip too long, maybe you went on a three week vacation, just sitting and drinking on the beach and you know, it's unfulfilling. You start getting antsy. You're like, I need to do something with my life. You don't, even though people are like, oh, you're on vacation, you should be relaxing. You can't just relax forever. Like, even if you get financially independent, you're like, oh, I just want to sit on the beach. I bet you you'd get tired of that pretty fast. I'm just sitting there on the beach every day doing nothing. Like, men or people in general need to have a purpose. And uh, finding that purpose is sometimes hard and it can change, but you can't just sit back and drink wine and it, on the beach. It'll be unfulfilling. And I think you're exactly right. Getting the, the heart race going, whether it's you know, in a combat sport or whatever, I don't know, like gets you going, but you need to have some type of uh, release that's not just hanging out, you know, and people will go find drugs and sex or whatever to try to go find that vacant spot. Well, yeah, and that's what I think um, traveling first does for people because you do feel alive, right? Everything is new. You have no pattern recognition, new culture, new city, new language, and so you do feel alive. But then again, like everything, that gets old, and that's why I'm so thankful I have like a bold perception. So if you're not doing a combat thing and more, more of like an artistic type of person that gives you purpose, that gives you something to build, I think it is, is like huge. Like the money, all this shit. And I'm so glad I got to experience it. Like I literally felt like I was living the Miami lifestyle with $50 million in, in Florianapolis. Like I got to feel it because everyone, their whole life works towards that. Right. I right. want to go retire on the beach and, you know, be with a beautiful woman or be with one girl. I don't know what you want drink and do whatever the hell you want and once you get it and a lot of people don't get it till they're 50 or 60 they're like oh my god my whole life i worked for this and for it's this. not any anything i thought i was gonna be right and, and the question is always now what you worked your whole life for 50 years you traded 50 years of hard work for that magic retirement or the two-week vacation in europe and now you're like well now what and uh yeah i i realized that um during work is like, I don't want to spend my whole life just chasing a retirement that maybe I don't even enjoy, right? Like you might spend your whole life working for that and now you don't enjoy it. Now what? And uh, yeah, I think having that purpose, having having some type of goal that's not just uh, financially driven or, you know, money driven, whatever your status is, like big house, like once you get it, it's the now what question. And uh, yeah, I think I think football for me is that purpose right now. It's not so much about the money. It's about trying to get become a champion. And, and that really drives me right now. And 
what's next i don't know but uh yeah right now it gives me that that single purpose i can work towards i'll tell you what though it is nice because sometimes i catch myself like in practice like just throwing a football around and i'm like i'm getting paid to do this like i'm in this foreign country like this is crazy like this is a game i played since i was a kid and now like i'm paid to do this and it's fun like i I couldn't imagine, you know, obviously being at a desk and, you know, chopping away, but like I'm working out, exercising, having fun with the dudes and I'm getting fucking paid to do it. I mean, it's like a, you know, a little fairy tale. Yeah. It's not the NFL, but I've said this too. It was like the NFL is a whole different beast, bro. Like that is your life. Every single second is like what you have to do. And I think that would become more uh, taxing on my mental and physical than what I do now. So I think this life that we kind of figured out is a decent balance between it. Yeah, absolutely. I think kind of what you're talking about is one of the things I value most uh, is my time, right? Like, I think it's a resource that you can't buy. Obviously, you can't redo. But if if you're playing in the NFL, you're right. Every every day, every minute, you're trying to win a Super Bowl. And and if you don't, the coaches, the players, you know, if you don't meet a certain standard, you're gone. And I'm sure, you know, it's great to play in that level. And it'd be I'm sure it's, you know, most football players dreams. But, you know, it's unless you have a certain size, certain demographic, you're, you're not, you don't make it. It's okay, man. But right now I'm, I'm content with the level I play at. It's very high. It, you know, feeds me, gives me my, my room, my transportation. It, it's enough to give me a life. And then it also gives me enough free time to like work on myself, you know, work on, like you said, the Monday through Friday, whatever you want to do. And, you know, it's kind of like I'm a college student again. Like I said, you know, I'm studying a language. I'm getting paid to play football and learn a language. That's how I see it right now. And, what a great life uh, that is. So I'm very grateful for that. And I'm trying not to waste that free time, I'm trying to make the most of it. And uh, yeah, I, I you know, Well, it really shook me. Well, I mean, after college, I was like, I was ready to be done with football. I mean, it felt like I was in a meat grind. I mean, it was just constant pain, mental, physical. There was some highs, obviously, and I'm so thankful for the experiences of the lows. But what really shook me was um, – I think it was, was it last year when Rogers was getting all the flack for uh, getting vaccinated? And wow. I, he did an interview. To remind me of Aaron Rodgers. You look like him. You act like him. <laughs> and he did he did an interview, I think, with Pat McAfee, right? And yeah. I was looking at this guy who's been at the pinnacle of his profession, who makes $30 million a year, and he looked miserable. He looked mm-hmm. like he was in prison, not just for this vax and unvax thing, but just like his lifestyle. Like He's been have, having rumors he wants to retire for a while. He loves Jeopardy. He loves doing yeah. stuff like outside of football. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, that dude doesn't look happy. That doesn't look like a life that I would want to entertain. Obviously, I don't know what he's truly feeling. But when I saw him and I looked at him, I was like, this dude is a prison is a prisoner to his job profession. Yeah, he gets paid. He's a modern day gladiator and whatnot. But does he really get to enjoy it? No. His whole his last. 15, 20 years have been football, 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 football. A week I get to go to Mexico and have a little fun. But I was like, damn, like maybe that isn't uh, the best dream in the world, especially what that that does to your everything, like uh, the pain they go through, the concussions, all that kind of shit. You're getting in, in car crashes every freaking week. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, I am happy where I'm at. I'm happy what I'm doing, the freedom I have, the life I can live, you know? Yeah, I, I think there's – well, first off, I appreciate you saying I look like Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully, I play like him too this year. You know, he he is uh, he's got that nice release. But uh, yeah, I think you know when you're playing at such a high level like that, you know, you he almost became like a political figure, right? Like he became like an anti-vax or this, and you're such a 
person in, in, in the public's eye that you don't have the freedom like you said. You can't just go walk down the street and do and say whatever. And, you know, there's probably some pressure to that. But, uh, you know, to me, I'll never judge anyone's life. Uh, whatever whatever drives them, you know, makes them happy. That's great. But, but like you said, I, I really do appreciate my free time and my independence. And, um, and that's why, like, people ask, like, maybe they even ask you, like, oh, I think about getting into coaching after. And I think, you know, what, what a time commitment that would be in the NFL, right? Like, oh, you're, you're doing it every second of the day. Like, you're competing with guys like Bill Belichick, you know? Like, I guarantee you that guy does not take much time off, you know? Like, is that the quality of life you want is 100-hour work weeks and stuff? And maybe that's not for me. But I do love football. You know, it motivates me. It drives me. But, yeah, I, I think there's that like the work-life balance that you're talking about that I really enjoy, too, that you can step outside the game and, you know, explore different cultures, see the world, you know, and see what else is out there besides just, you know, lifting weights and throwing balls around and watching tape. On that coaching topic, I think it would be really rewarding doing uh, one-off sessions with kids that listen and you get to see them progress, which I've done. And it is very fulfilling, like seeing them take what you've told them and having success and whatnot. But OGAs, I know coaches and their life sounds brutal. (laughs) They work for pennies on the dollar and their success depends on kids too. Could you imagine being out there and your, your success depends on 18 to 20 year olds or some shit like that? I mean, that would be tough. Like that's why I understood the meat grind that was, you know, college football is like, these dudes are putting food on the table for their family and they depend on 18 to 22 year olds. Like that would be very stressful. It's stressful. Yeah. And that's funny that you say, cause yeah, that's, that's all my coaches at colleges say, like they get all worked up. Like, man, I feed my family off this shit. This is not a joke. Like it becomes a business. Like you said, like it's, they're getting fired every two years, switching schools. And it's just the nature of the business. And I think that's, what's cool about sports actually in America is it's since it is so competitive, it's the ultimate equalizer. They don't care about race, gender, height. Like it's like, who is going to get me the wins? Cause this is how I'm feeding my family. So I don't care about anything besides how well you play. And, I think that's kind of cool about it, but yeah, and being in there forever, maybe it gets a little stressful and wears you down and, you know, maybe the, not the best quality of life, but I think it is a cool industry um, because it is just all about performance at that level. And, you know, it's, it's the elite. And I think that's why the NFL merit is, based. It's merit yeah, based, merit based. And that's cool. But yeah, I, I can see why maybe all those guys are losing hair and having heart attacks early because I'm sure it's a lot of pressure. So yeah, and my whole thing, too, is, like, I don't like my success, my happiness, my freedom dependent on other circumstances. Mm-hmm. Like, I go back to the Rodgers thing. It's like, okay, his team's got to win, you know, so his fans are happy. He has to go to here at this time. He has to listen to the rules. He has to go on this street this time. Like, there's so much of, like, uh, everything is dependent on everyone else. You know what I mean? I think this kind of bad life and – uh where, you know, we talk about the nomad capitalists and whatnot, I want to parlay into this is basically saying, okay, no, I'm not going to complain about the government. I'm not going to complain about the city I'm in. I'm not going to complain about my friends. Like I'm going to go make the life I want to live, you know, wherever it is. And if it involves multiple places and multiple different countries, like the five flag lifestyle, so you pay as zero taxes as possible. And just that philosophy, like the Stoics talk about is, my life is in my hands. I'm not going to worry about what I can't control, and I'm going to go that direction. And nothing else is going to uh, come at me and uh, force me to do something I don't want to do or force me to not be who I want to be. 
Yeah, I, I think that's what's really cool about stoicism. Like I said, the nomad capitalist life is it's all about what you can control. And, and I think it's hard to do that sometimes. At first, you trying to figure out what it is. But, you know, you can only control so much. And if that means, you, like you said, you don't like your, the way you're treated in America or a certain city or the, you know, you feel isolated. Well, maybe it's not for you. And you have two choices, really, in America is. Either you're going to try to vote your way and change it, or you're going to go find a place that fits your way. And to me, I just felt like uh, there is way better places out there than sometimes than maybe certain American cities or certain lives. Like, why why complain about it? Just go see what else is out there. Maybe it's not for you. And yeah, once you start exploring and looking out there and see how other countries are run or different lifestyles, you're like, oh, I could see myself doing that for a little bit, or maybe that fits my my lifestyle better. But yeah, right now. There's a lot of Americans, I think, exceed that. They're like, oh, I'm not treated the way I want to be treated in the U.S., whether it's racism or sexism or their business is taxed too high. But they're finding escapes in Asia. I know Indonesia and uh, Malaysia are really popular for digital nomads. And, you know, it's it's an, it's an opportunity and it's something that you can control then. But, yeah, I think right now just complaining about your situation in the U.S. Uh, is very easy to do and. Sometimes it's like, all right, well, then do something about it. Go hit the road, man, and then see what else is out there. Yeah, I posted something on the, the Bold Perceptions Instagram. If you're not following, you should definitely follow it. It was about um, the, the world's wealthiest country is, like, totally delusional when it comes to what is considered wealthy and well-off. And it was mm -hmm. like, yeah, if you have, like, 2.2 or 2.6 million, then you're going to be just fine. And in the same article, they're like, yeah, the median – so not the mean, right? This is considered like you cross off all the billionaires first, and all the poor people. The median world uh, income a year is $12,000. Okay? I think the mean is way less because all these other places make maybe $200 a month, right? Wow. And it's like you're in the USA. You have the golden ticket to financial freedom if you earn dollars and go spend them somewhere else. Because like I said here, I'm living in Bialystok, Poland, and it is clean. It is safe. It is cheap. There's no crime on the streets or anything and the uh they're making like 600 dollars uh, a month after taxes it's fucking crazy you know what i mean you could go do a copywriter job in the usa and live like a king here i mean it's it's bananas so i mean that's a a big point for these americans they think it's all it's all helpless and it's hopeless and i need to vote my way out of this it'll never work to vote your way out of this right no one's just going to cure all your problems but maybe like you said go try something else or go outside of it and see if you can take it on your own to make the life you want to make instead of just saying, no, someone else puts me. And I think one thing Americans that are scared or maybe hesitant or, or quick trigger to tell you like, Oh, I could never go live in somewhere else. And maybe you experienced this a lot when you lived in Mexico and explored South America, like Colombia and stuff down there, Brazil is they always bring up, Oh, it's, it's, it's not safe there. It's so dangerous there. It's like, to me, it's so backwards because if you've been to an American urban city at all recently, it's like, you know, you're, you got to be on alert. You know, it's like, you know, robberies, murders, whatever it is. Japan is, you know, kind of first world expensive. It's not like so much cheap over time, but it's super safe. And and once I left the U.S. and realized that, I was like, wow, um, this this edge that I was on in certain areas. Like I played football in Oakland for a little bit and I lived in the Chicagoland area. And I love these cities. I, I have some great friends and, and family and I loved it, but I realized like I would never do what I do in Japan where you have to like, you have to leave your shoes at the door or 
you leave certain things unlocked. Like nobody likes their bike. It's like you just don't do those things in those cities because it'll be gone for sure. Like you just not that you know it's always violent, but like the theft and the common crime that you just expect. Like oh, I'm, I shouldn't leave my wallet here. Like it's definitely gonna get taken. Like in Japan, it really changed my perspective. Like what is normal? Like what is the normal standard of safety? And I realized you can leave the U.S. and have that sense of safety and. But Americans are quick to be like, oh, you can't go there. It's it's dangerous. Um, yeah, what shook me was when I was living in Denmark and they would leave their babies outside for fresh air unattended. I was like, <laughs> is that a baby in the street? I, I was shocked. But that yeah. America is violent. Okay. And I think it's good and it's bad. It's like our, our extreme capitalistic uh you know, culture that loves violent movies, loves American football. Like it like raises us to heights, like that warrior stuff. Like we go bomb all these countries and we love war. A lot of the times it's getting a little better, but yeah, I mean, America is very violent. I mean, it's probably one of the most, the gun deaths, it is probably one of the most violent countries in the world. I mean, if you do the stats, like Chicago had more killings and whatever than Afghanistan that one year, they called it Chirac, right? I Uh, mean, Americans, I think, are very delusional because a lot of them live in the suburbs, right? They don't have to deal with it. But, um, yeah, that point is crazy. The safety is, is ridiculous in the U.S. But, yeah, I think if if you're an American right now and you're thinking about, like, going for it, I think one thing that's so nice about the U.S. is I think you're touching about the passport is it's really a golden ticket. Pretty much any country in the world will take you. You know, it's some form. I don't know the length always, but – it can get you in pretty much anywhere. And uh, if you can work dig- like remotely and get paid in USD and live in these countries, the USD, fortunately, is still really strong. And who knows how long it'll be that way. But, yeah, it's a great passport. It's a great, like, you know, currency, the USD. If you can find a way to, to utilize that, it is just a blessing to be an American in that sense. So, you know, you can use your passport and, and find a better home. Maybe it doesn't sound so great to everybody. You sound like you're, you know, betraying your home country. But to me, it's I'm thankful for it and uh, try to utilize it. You know, it's a great opportunity. Might as well use it. Yeah. Anyone that says that betraying thing, I'm like, okay. Well, what about our ancestors? Did they betray England and Germany and all the people they left to go find freedom? So how am I any different than them? I'm trying to go find my own freedom. You know what I mean? And I'm thankful, very thankful for what they built for me. Because I see these other countries and all these people are trapped in there and they're making dirt money and their governments are corrupt as hell. But it's like, look, I can sit in the USA and bitch and preach to nobody or I can actually go show you I'm living this life and I'm doing it and I'm finding freedom. So what's better, action or talk? Right. And, and that's that's how I feel, too. Is like uh, I'm not one to tell anyone how to live their life. I don't really like talking, like telling you, oh, this is how you should do it. This is how you should. Do it. I just live in the life I'm trying to do. And. If people want to know about it, I'm glad to tell them. But I'm definitely exactly what you said. Show me. Don't tell me. Show me the. Show me what you can do. Show me the life you want. Don't tell me about it. Okay. So obviously, I mean, you're in Berlin. Now you've been in uh, Japan. So like you've been on this nomad life for uh, a couple of years now. Do you have some plans? I mean, after what you've learned, what are you trying to set up here with uh, your lifestyle? Well, yeah. Once football is done, I would love to keep having some type of international life, whether, you know, it's part-time, full-time, I'm not sure yet, but I would like to um, stay on the road. So I'm trying to find a way to, uh, you know, work remotely, trying to get some real estate going, have some rental properties and 
you know, just finding a way to create multiple sources of income so I can do, you know, a couple months in Asia. Maybe I, I like Europe, go back. But I like that flexibility. So, you know, I don't have anything set up uh, in stone right now. But, yeah, I'm going to try to keep a international lifestyle, I think. And, uh, you know, creating your own source of income is, is kind of a big piece of that. So do you see your, yourself spending um, over the year in the USA? I mean, or what is your plan? Yeah, um, I honestly don't see that. Uh, I would, uh, you know, my fa my family's still there, so I'll, I'll go back and visit. But I see myself doing that, never being permanently based in America, just always going back to visit now. And, uh, you know, maybe it's months at a time. Like right now, we get a long off season. I'll go spend a month. But, yeah, I kind of like living uh, internationally. It's way more cost effective. I, can, I sold my car. I don't have a home. You know, nothing's tying me to America anymore. Like getting rid of insurance and all that stuff was great. Like uh, there's so many cost weighing things in the U S you don't realize. And it's like, once you can break free of that, you, I really don't ever want to own a car and pay car insurance again. That's like the biggest scam I felt like I was a part of it. So yeah, if I can live in a country like Japan and riding bikes, taking trains, working remotely in the U S uh, I probably will do it. Yeah. That's a big thing too. I think we got lucky because we kind of got, uh forced into the life because we went from college to playing ball overseas is not getting the mortgage i mean not having a kid not uh signing a bunch of long-term things and i think uh a lot of the younger people um before they start doing that because i've talked a lot and a lot of are trying to come to me for consultation because this life is getting very popular like the young nomad the crypto money whatnot is before you make these huge things that tie you down and your your um you know stand up shop is uh try this or go go experience something first because I think you learn a shit ton more about yourself when you're in a different culture, when you're traveling and whatnot, and you find out what you like, what you don't. But before you make any like big time decisions, like, you know, be careful because then, you know, one year turns to five, then to 10. And then, oh, you know, after the kids go through college then I'll start living the life. So I think uh, anyone that's young, that's listening to this right now, if you had the opportunity, I would definitely take it before it's too late. Because like you said, if you start getting in all these little traps they put you in because it's made to do this, right? It's made to make this consumer um, uh, debt society run, which is great if you can uh, leverage the pros of it and not get trapped in the cons of it. But don't get caught in, don't get lost in the sauce. Yeah, definitely don't get lost. And, 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 you know, like you said, we were fortunate to play football and we kind of just fell upon this life. Like, Oh, it's cool to go live overseas and play. And then you start learning like, okay, why am I paying this high for this? And, but if you're if you're listening and you're not an athlete and you don't have like okay you guys got to go to Europe by playing football I'm not an athlete well I would say like exactly what you said don't get lost in keeping up with like your peers like if you, if that's your goal to go try to live internationally you don't have to do the things that are normal like save money don't own a car live near where you work walk to work every day ride a bike you don't need to buy a TV you don't need to buy Netflix it's just like if that's really your goal just cut the things that you don't need, like all this dead weight and then just go for it, you know, save up for six months a year. Like, and if you like it, then you can make it happen, but definitely give it a try if, if you're on the fence, because uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a eye-opening experience and you'll learn a lot about what you want and don't want. Like you said, like uh, about yourself and the, the life you're life you want. Yeah. Through the, these experiences and, and uh, what I've done, what I've seen, I am totally fine when I go back to the USA and living at my parents' house or if I had like a studio apartment with nothing there, like I wouldn't care. You know what I mean? But when you're in that uh, area, it's like the only thing to 
experiences to buy more shit. You know what I mean? And make sure your apartment's got cool wallpaper or some plant in there. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like right. your perspective and what you value in life is, uh, is kind of like off my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and those kind of situations didn't happen by choice for me, but it happened naturally. Cause I, I was transferring around. I started my journey at North Dakota. Then I went to junior college, went to Vegas, Iowa, Germany. But what I realized in all those, those times is every time I moved, I had to go, okay, I have one duffel bag. Everything in my life that's worthy is going to fit in this bag. Everything else I'm just going to throw away or give away. And that kind of mentality has stuck with me. Like you said, I don't buy shit that I don't need. I don't, I don't even desire things that I once did because I'm like, well, if it can't fit in my duffel bag and move to me the next home, then I don't need that shit. And uh, yeah, it, it, that minimalist kind of attitude or like, do I actually need this? It's transformed because when you're living in the US, everyone else you know has a car, has this TV or has this service or has this phone. Like you just keep up and you don't even realize it. And then once you, once I started moving so much, I realized how little, what is actually a need and versus like a luxury. And maybe I take that to an extreme being scrappy, but yeah, I don't need much. Yeah, it just weighs you down. Anyone that uh, is interested in minimalism, listen to Bold Minimalism with Gabe Bolt. He's a YouTuber who's pretty big in the, the minimalism space. But yeah, that's a stoic mindset too. It's not even about like what you consume, but it's like the people in your life. It's the ideas in your head. It's like everything is like uh, uh, the 80-20 rule and just taking rid of all this shit that doesn't really provide value to your life. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's true. It's kind of oversaid, but like the things you own end up owning you, right? And there's some truth to that for sure. Like you, if you really want to be free and uh, independent, you can't have a lot of things holding you back. It, it hurts your flexibility. But uh, yeah, for me, it's I just never had a lot of this stuff by chance because, like I said, I was always moving. But I I haven't had a TV. I, I've never owned a TV. <laughs> I've never bought a TV just because I just never had one. Now I have no desire. I realized, well, what a waste of time that is. Like, I don't get sucked into watching some show because I don't even have it. Like, you know, I, I realized, wow, I value reading or I value learning instead or, but you know, back when I lived with TV in my house and this, and you just realize you, you see all the time that gets wasted doing stuff you don't even want. Like you just, it's a trap. It's part of the trap, man. Everyone's fighting for your attention mm, take control of it. That's what I would say. I think it is too because a lot of people have never experienced like real freedom. You know what I mean? Like you go to the high school, you go to the college, you go to the nine to five. Like even um, when you go on vacation, you have like a tour guide and you're in a resort yeah. and they tell you where to go, like a cruise ship. Oh, dinner's at this time. You know, like people really have never felt that freedom feeling. And so if you haven't felt it, then you don't know really, right? So you don't understand like, oh, maybe if I drop all this shit and I'm more free and i can put my shoulders up and there's nothing in my backpack weighing me down like no one gets that feeling and that's why i think it is so important to like go out on your own to go new experiences new things like you can take a dance class in your your hometown just like get away and feel what it feels like to be free because it is the ultimate you know feeling that's what i chase all the time and i love obviously it's not like all rosies and dandelions and whatnot but like there's a reason i think america was built off freedom there's a reason that you know, our, like in our being, we want to be free. And speaking of that, like traveling thing is, I think people often get it mixed up. And I saw you post about this at some point is like, 
yeah, a lot of the maybe it was Italy, some like some famous beach. You're like, yeah, everyone comes here for the photo, and it's like not that great. Like your your best experience was going off the trail, and you know maybe it wasn't as so comforting, but it was more fun, right? And I definitely had that same experience traveling. At first, you just assume like, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. You go to Tokyo, you look at some temples, see the Tokyo Tower, eat some fancy sushi or whatever. And you're like, okay, this is cool. But once you get off that beaten trail, like I recently went to uh, an island just off of like near me. It's a part of the Tokyo prefecture, but there's maybe 500 people living there. And you got to take a little propeller plane in there and there's no customer service. There's no this. And, and that feeling of really getting away and seeing how the locals do it, it was more fun than any tourist site I've been to. And it was that, that free feeling you're talking about, like, while I'm watching a sunset in this natural hot spring and man, if this was in Tokyo, you'd pay $10,000, but here it's just free because there's people at the island. This is how they live. And getting away from like the mainstream traveling, I think is sometimes intimidating. It can be like slightly dangerous, but it's, it's definitely more rewarding when it works out right. Yeah, I'll never forget it. So after my season in Denmark, I went down to Italy to talk with the team in Bologna and then uh, I went to go see Florence, right? You, everyone's going to see Florence. And then I went to uh, Venice, of course, going to see Venice. And then I'm like, fuck it. Like, I had a plane ride out of Milano in like a week or something like that. And I'm like, let's just take a train and get dropped off at these random cities in, in northern Italy. And then I went to Padova, which is freaking amazing. Had a beautiful time. I went to uh, Brescia. And I remember like being on the train, bro. And I was just like, there was no plan. Just my little carry-on suitcase, nobody near me. I don't think I even had service because my phone didn't have an Italian SIM card. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, just looking at the Italian landscape, and I felt like there's no one that knew me. I had no responsibilities. I had nothing. I was just like, this is crazy. Like, what am I doing? Like, this is amazing. And I remember that Brescia. Like, people say Brescia is like a shithole, like, in, in northern Italy. And I remember going to the castle and just walking around, saying hi to people. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I felt totally free. Yeah, I think that's awesome, man. And like you said, you know, I think the small things that end up happening create that freedom. Like you said, you don't have the SIM card that works in that country. Well, guess what? Now you're not checking Instagram. You're not checking messages. You're just like in the moment, living, walking around. Your senses are on full because you're like, especially in these kind of countries, like uh, maybe you're not familiar with the language. You can't communicate. Like, man, you're really present. And I love that feeling of like, okay, I'm not calling for anybody. I'm here. This is my moment. And yeah, it's it's rewarding and it's it's that ultimate freedom. But yeah, things. Uh, I think when people think about traveling, they often just think, okay, I'm gonna go the Eiffel Tower. I'm gonna go see the Colosseum. I'm gonna and it's cool to see. I'm you know go take a photo, go do it. But I think if you're chasing that freedom experience, you gotta go off a trail and go off the beaten path a little bit and, and see what's out there. Yeah, you said it like being present, and that's like a, a stoic principle, and then also like in meditation. Like that's the key is to get totally present where you're just you're feeling everything, you know, you're breathing through your nose and whatnot. There's no thoughts in your head. And it's the ultimate like, you know, high. It's like Europhic. You're just like there. You're you're being. And I think the traveling is a cheat code to experiencing that like um, in the conscious state. Right. And um, that present feeling, I think, is when is the ultimate freedom, because like you said, you're not worried about anything that's going on. You're just here in the moment. You're enjoying things. And it's like the most freeing feeling. Yeah, I think that's what's cool about living international. And I think it's also 
the hard part too sometimes you, you touch about that like oh everywhere you go nobody knows you you got no friends no family and you're always starting from zero and if you can handle that if you can be okay with being uncomfortable at first you know like you know having the people look at you in a weird room because you're the only one that looks a certain way and here in asia you know it's very friendly to foreigners but there's often times you know i screw up right i walk into a place thinking it's a restaurant and it's not or something you know you, you, things like that happen but it's not as big as a deal as you think and i and i realized the rewards more important than like you know the little struggles of living internationally and i don't think i'll be homesick as long as i can see my family in some form and facetime go visit them at christmas but yeah i don't think home will be back in the suburbs of a you know a u.s city yeah, at the beginning, I talked about the the football making me feel alive. And I think it always comes down to outside this comfort zone thing. So like the traveling obviously throws you outside of the comfort zone right away. But similar to football is when you're in these these games and you have to make a crazy check, you know, and people are saying, don't do this check. And you're like, fuck it, I'm doing it. Like that feeling of being alive, like you're you're out of that comfort zone. I think that's what football gives me. That's what traveling gives me. That's what this international life gives me. It, it keeps me not stagnant it keeps me not uh going through the motions it keeps me like in the present moment like we're talking about yeah i think that's that for me that's what gives me happiness and that's what i realized through you know my my little short life so far is it's the challenge that i i try to enjoy and you know i used to be really goal driven and i still am like i'm trying to be a champion but i realized you can't delay happiness to like oh i'll be happy once i'm a champion I enjoy the the process, like you said, of like, oh, the challenge of, man, this I'm going to do this, this like you said, a check versus cover zero, or I'm going to, when I get this opportunity, I'm going to do it. And I enjoy the little battles on the way to try to achieve my, my, my goal. And that's what really motivates me and gives me joy now is like, uh, same thing with the language learning. Okay, every, every day I'm going to try to learn a new kanji. I'm going to try to say something new to a, you know, a stranger at the store, try to you know, grow the little growth is what gives me happiness. And it's not so much an end goal thing anymore. It's it's the journey and trying to find happiness in the progress. Beautiful. Awesome. Kurt, your second time on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, you had a good time, huh? Yeah, always, man. I, I love talking to Mr. Bold himself. It's always re-inspiring, man. You know, uh, this guy, this guy, this guy definitely lives outside the lines. You know, I, I like that about you. So it's always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, anytime. Yeah, I appreciate it. Again, I apologize for my um, out of uh, I was out of it in that uh, Vegas. I w we would have had a great time too. Uh, me, you, and Cody were gonna hit the city, but I was dead. I couldn't move. Yeah, man, the sheriff. It'd be great to have all three of us again, man. The the sheriff, uh, he's out there always always scheming. So uh, he claims you're gonna go to Japan. He's gonna go to Japan soon. Yeah, yeah. He always talks about oh, he can play both ways, tight end, D end. You know, I'm I'm still waiting for the the highlight tape. You know, so we'll see, but. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, you go out to Thailand this winter or summer, somewhere in Asia, you, you let me know and uh, maybe we can find a, a connection out there. You're going to be in Japan around that time? Well, we'll be playing all the way up until December. I'm not sure when I'll take a winter break uh, yet uh, when the championship playoffs are. But yeah, you, you just send me a message and uh, maybe I'll make a pit stop in uh, Thailand before I go back to America. Yeah, sounds great. Or I come visit in Japan. Awesome. Hey, Kurt, good luck uh, the rest of the season, and uh, we'll be in touch. Yeah, likewise, man. Go go, uh, go take down that Poland, Poland championship. 
I need it. Krakow's the big bad wolf here. They got like basically two teams, and that's who we need to knock out. So, all right, man. Well, you, well, you go handle business. I know you can. All right, everybody. Make sure to live bold. Ciao.